If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. This week, I have Samantha Fishbein, co-founder and COO of the wildly popular media company, Betches. Sammy started Betches way back in 2011, along with her two college classmates, who she'd known since middle school. The millennial-focused platform struck a nerve, and the Betches empire has grown to include New York Times bestselling books, an e-commerce platform, podcasts, and nearly 7 million Instagram followers. Sammy's been named to Forbes 30 Under 30 for media. Let's welcome Sammy. Hi, Sammy. How's it going? Hi. I'm so excited to be here. So we just, love to podcast together. We do love to podcast together. So, okay, let's start from the beginning. I think everyone's really excited, and I know I at least learned about Betches. I saw it on Instagram. I remember cracking up, thinking, wow, just what a great brand to strike to, like, a millennial woman. Just walk us through the beginning. How did Betches get started? Tell us the story of your co-founders. Start from the beginning. So my two co-founders and I, um, who've actually known each other since, I, honestly, I, we were so young, like 10-ish, maybe a little older. Um, we're all from the same town on Long Island. And so we knew each other growing up. And we happened to go to Cornell together, not intentionally. Um, and then our senior year, we were living together. And we just one night had this idea to start a blog. Um, at the time, blogs were really predominant in, in on the internet. That was something, you know, I would say websites were more popular as like a direct place people would go for entertainment. And Facebook was also relatively new-ish. So it was easy to spread things. And I felt, and at the time, I think interaction was much more organic on Facebook. So we started this blog. We started anonymously because we were writing in this sort of really satirical, edgy tone, trying to basically describe and characterize and kind of make fun of, poke fun at the culture around us of you know sorority girls um and we labeled this girl like the betch so we started betches love the site.com on wordpress um we were anonymous because we didn't we thought we were going to get real jobs after college um and then basically we showed it to like one friend she put it on her sister's facebook wall and it really just went viral from that and it was for us in the beginning it was our second semester of our senior year we were about to graduate um, and it was kind of just a fun project for us that we, you know, we wanted to keep doing just because we enjoyed it, honestly. And then right at the end of our senior year, we were approached by a producer um, and we had spoken to an agent who suggested that we turn it into a book first because it would be just a more lucrative way of um, just enhancing what we had. And really from there, that is when we graduated and it, we decided we were going to keep doing it. So, yeah, so walk us through that. So, 
for everybody uh, who hasn't heard of Batches, first check them out on Instagram. Um, but as I said, 7 million followers, um, really a, a young mainstream media brand now uh, for millennial women and, of course, men follow as well. What was the moment when you're like, I, guys, should we do this full time? What does that look like? And I also want to hear a little bit of the early days. None of you guys studied business per se. Nope. Um, <laughs> and as somebody who's you know been a friend and mentor to you guys, when did you really decide, okay, let's go try to make this a real company? So we really, as soon as we got the book deal, we knew that we had something that could be considered legitimate in the eyes of you know, people in the actual workforce, that this could actually be something that we sell. And something that we had been concerned about early on was like, does this voice that we're writing in, which is like pretty edgy, really no holds barred, uncensored, could this actually be something that people would pay for? Um, and the book deal, which was with Simon & Schuster, really validated that it was. Um, so working with our first agent was super helpful. She basically suggested turning the website into something that we were posting on daily that we were really taking seriously. I, I had a family friend who had an empty office who basically offered it to us just for the summer to see if we could work on you know having interns and that kind of thing. Um, so we did. And actually, some of the earliest people who freelance for us still work with us. So it's been like eight years that they've been with us, or really seven years, um, one of whom is our editor-in-chief currently. Um, and she was one of our first freelancers that we ever had. So, you know, so we were working on it from really a content standpoint for the first two years. And then I would say year three is when we got really serious about advertising. Um, that also co coincided with the rise of Instagram. And we got in touch with basically a, an outside sales agency that was, they, we had hired them to sell our website, but they had been speaking to clients and more clients were interested in actually buying um, advertising on our Instagram at the time. So that was kind of like the beginning of the influencer age. Um, and that's really where it all got started from. I love it. So as I think for you guys, talk us a little bit about creating content for a niche and how you guys think about talking to the Betches woman. Again, you have 7 million of them. Very few brands can boast that totally organically with no uh, you know, major mainstream marketing. Um, you've been able to grow, again, almost haphazardly a brand. And one of the reasons why I love having different founders of all shapes and sizes on the podcast is, you know, sometimes you have the founders who artfully thought through a company that they wanted to build and wrote the business plan, and I was one of those founders, to you guys and having met all three of you and gotten to know you guys, you know, you truly almost accidentally started a company that then quickly grew. So I have two questions. When did you have the moment where you're like, wow, there's something real here. There's something more meaningful. Uh, was it a user number? Was it hitting a million followers? What was it when you were like, this is something? I mean, personally, I always had like a potential for the vision. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, we could make like Viacom, but for Betches, <laughs> like specifically. Um, so I mean, I think at our core, we are a, an entertainment company. The three of us, like you said, did not go to business school. And, um, you know, I don't think if you would ask any of us when we were 20 years old, like, do you want to run a business? Like, I don't know if any of us would have said that, not even knowing what it involved. But I think that at the core, the three of us are creative and we're passionate about making content that really is relatable for millennial women and really now even expanding into Gen Z intentionally, I would say. 
um, and just really kind of making content that makes people happy, makes them laugh, makes them feel like they're understood, like they're like people get them, and that really like they're talking to their best friend. And I think that that's really strong in the roots of the company. The three of us are friends. But I think that that is something that we're really passionate about is that just speaking to people in a relatable way. Like we're not really like above the audience. And I think that's really what makes us stand out from other media companies is that we it's not kind of like making content so that people will think that we're relatable. It's really just a lot of speaking from the heart a lot of the time, like expressing our true feelings and our true opinions. And um, after Instagram, our next biggest platform became podcasting, which is really kind of perfect for that sort of mission. So let's just quickly go to talking a little bit about you have now spent eight years of your career thinking about that young woman and how she thinks about her future, how she thinks about media content, how she wants to be spoken to. Tell me a little bit. We're in the year of women, right? What do you feel like you know about that millennial woman and now the Gen Z woman? And how is the millennial woman different from the Gen Z woman? Just give us any insights you have as somebody who spends all day long quite literally thinking about that audience. Yeah, I mean, I think really the the core of it is that the millennial woman and even more so the Gen Z woman doesn't want to be spoken to in sort of a corporate formal way they want to really feel like the brands or the any talent who is speaking to them really understands them and is speaking to them honestly like one person to person not like brand to them trying to sell to them i think that the more millennials feel like they're being sold to the more they sort of back off but if they feel like something is real and authentic that is like really a top priority and i think when it comes to gen z one thing that i would say is different about them is that they're a bit more politically engaged i think there's a bit more um, of a, a sense of purpose maybe in the brands that they choose um, i know sustainability is super important to gen z they know that they're kind of like the climate change generation um, so i think that that is a big difference you see a lot more political engagement and more emphasis on empowerment and equality with gen z Thank God. I love those Gen Zers. Um, so let's go back to you mentioned, uh, you know, as I was saying, you know, you guys kind of fell into running a company that, that actually just took off. You run a company with two dear friends. Um, yes. What's that like? How do you guys create boundaries for everybody out there that's listening that may be running a company with one of their friends? What are your rules? What are your rules of engagement as the leaders of the company so that you guys can always make sure you keep it buttoned up? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a challenge and an evolving one because the three of us in the past eight to nine years that we've run this company have personally evolved. And I think that we've become more um, aware of our interests, what we really care about as individuals. And that, I think, has helped inform how we run the company. For example, I run the news and politics vertical because that's something I'm personally passionate about. My partner, Jordana, runs the dating vertical. That's something she's personally passionate about. Um, so I think that it's really great that we, you know, we try to really give each other space to own those things to know that we can trust each other and I think at the bottom of it really is trust um, which I think it is easier to have having known each other and loved each other for this long I mean I think it's definitely it can be challenging at the moment we all sit in one office and we try to you know really recognize each other for what we're good at like and really make an effort to show that to each other so there's such a massive conversation that's happening about the future of media. How does Betches think and stay at the forefront of new media trends? So, I mean, we were early with Instagram. We were early with podcasting. I think we sort of look at what's out there. We really pay attention. I really consider part of my 
job description to know the trends, to know what's going on in the industry and what are people actually using and how are they using it. So now TikTok is huge. So we are on top of that. Um, if you pay attention and you have sort of a natural sense of insight into what consumers are doing, which I do think is something of a gift that we do share, that makes it easier. And the other thing is because we are a completely bootstrap company and we do not have outside investment, for us it's really important to keep our costs down and to keep our content creation lean. So for example, something like podcasts, which has a pretty high margin for production, that is something that we're, we are more willing to give a chance to getting into than something that might be more costly to venture into. I'm going to come back to you being bootstrapped in a second. But as you think about media and you fast forward 10 years, and I, I hear you loud and clear, which is you have to know every new social media platform that exists because obviously your business is really social media. But as you just step back and you look at the, the next 10 years of media, do you have any predictions or any things, trends that you think are happening um, or any rules that you think are going to be obvious? But if you fast forward 10 years, how do you think the media landscape will have evolved? So I do think that TikTok has the potential, barring any sort of geopolitical issues um, with their ownership, I do think that TikTok has the potential to really be the dominant platform for, let's say, five to 10 years. Um, but I don't want to say that that is the only thing that will happen. I think, I mean, there's obviously a chance that we could get into something that's like hyper-personalized, like an AI type of platform that people could, end, that our audience could really end up on. But I think as a general rule, regardless of what the platform is, I really think that sort of an unbundling of of topics and content is going to be something that dominates. Um, I don't think that, that brands should really try to be everything to everyone anymore. I think that it's really about finding your audience and really capturing them, making them loyal to you through quality, and really understanding who your audience is and how to really entertain them. What else? Any other things that you think is obviously going away in the next decade? I mean, I was just thinking about this um, in the light of the dead spin scandal of the past week or so and what happened kind of with that entire... For anybody who doesn't yeah. know, give them the quick recap. So basically, Deadspin was acquired by a private equity company. Um, they installed new management, and basically, the new management had a very different vision for the company than what the people who actually worked at the company had. You know, there were conflicts with upper management, particularly with, I think, there were two women who were involved in it. Um, and at And then I think most of the company quit basically all at once and in protest of the fact that the new management wanted them to stick to only writing about sports even though their analytics had told them that the audience was really interested in a lot of other things like politics and culture and that kind of thing so the whole company quit um, and that was really in response to kind of this model of trying to you know use kind of like gimmicks to inflate traffic so that they can get more advertising but really at the expense of the audience experience so I think that that is a great cautionary tale for what not to do not to really squeeze your audience using kind of like cheap tricks to inflate page views I mean, you saw that with uh, all the companies that went under because of Facebook so I think this like this uh atmosphere of let's inflate our numbers to try to maximize ad dollars or whatever in the short term and really focusing on who how many what is the true core loyal audience and figuring out how to please those people and to grow that number of people and to sell to them in multiple ways 
when you think about Betches, what does your core audience want to hear from you? Like, what do they care about? When they wake up every day and you think about serving them with content, what matters? Pop culture, trends, The Bachelor, celebrity news, you know, female empowerment. And also we've started, I think I mentioned earlier, segmenting by community. So basically we have, based on, our, on the podcast that we have, built Instagram satellite accounts, email lists, Facebook groups. And so you see that in each community, they really are slightly different. Um, we're actually in the midst of conducting market research to kind of really figure out what the exact discrepancies are between each audience um, so that we are expecting to be very fruitful but I mean just intuitively going off of it so we have our largest podcast is you up which is a dating podcast so there those people are obviously most concerned with dating and talking about dating trends you know we have a wellness podcast called diet starts tomorrow that I run with my co-founder Aileen they're more interested in talking about diet culture the anti-diet culture um, talking about body image and it's it really you can see with kind of the responses that you get that there is it's such a distinct audience from the you up audience they really have a different way of looking at life I think in some ways but at the end of the day it's all millennial women yeah I love it uh, even as we sit here her phone is buzzing nonstop because oh, sorry. it's like like yeah. literally Betches tweets and everything yeah. coming through the ecosystem. Well, I love it. it. It's like, yeah, your, your audience never sleeps quite literally. Well, a funny anecdote is, so for Diet Starts Tomorrow, we started a Facebook group. All these girls joined it, mostly women. And then they all made friends. And recently, like a few of them went on a trip together to Jacksonville. A few, they are, and the girl who runs the account now in, in my office, our employee, showed me there's this WhatsApp group that 65 of them are in and they talk all day. And she shows me this group that she just joined. I'm like, I can't believe that this all started from this podcast. And they talk about everything. They were, they're talking about like the election. What should they wear? What should they eat? And it's really crazy. I, again, you have 7 million of them. So I, I appreciate that they find small groups to continue their conversations in, which is, which is wonderful. And with that, we'll be right back after this. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suite helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. So I want to go back. Um, when you think about the last nine years, um, let's talk a little bit about what was your biggest challenge? You know, you bootstrapped the company. So let's go, you know, you never raised a dollar. And, you know, a lot of times I have entrepreneurs on the podcast who have raised $800 million or $50 million. You guys have, again, you're almost like accidental founders. You built something you loved and you know, it goes back to the core story, which is when you're trying to really build for an audience that you are passionate about, that you care about. And by the way, all three of you happen to be dead square in the center of age-wise, demographic-wise, et cetera. They're, they all are newly married and newly engaged. And so how do you think about you were bootstrapped? Like what were the biggest challenges there? Why did you decide to remain bootstrapped? How'd that go? I mean, the biggest challenge in general 
has really been learning how to run a business when the three of us don't really have that experience and it's not necessarily our our first and foremost skill um so trying to figure out you know really how to run a business has been kind of the biggest challenge overall um and then at every phase that it becomes an even more a newer learning experience you know as the revenue increases it's a bigger business as the number of employees we have we're now up to 30 employees I think one of the advantages of the fact that we have bootstrapped rather than taking in a lot of money and expand and just blowing up at once is that we have been able to have our learning process keep pace with the size of the company. So it hasn't really gotten out ahead of us at any point, which I think has been very good for keeping the company alive, to be honest. That's a really good point, which is you didn't have to grow super quickly because you kept the company small and nimble. Um, but 30 employees is real. What do you think to date has big, been the hardest part people-wise? Just managing different personalities. I'm sure you know that it's, you know, it's really, I can't, I'm not a parent, but I imagine it is something like parenting. It, it, it's a lot of, you know, balancing negative feedback and positive feedback, figuring out what's the best way to deliver this to someone? What's the best way to get someone to really uh, perform optimally in their job in a way that feels like they're aligned with you? Also, I think the realization that having more people working for you doesn't mean you have more power over them. It actually just means you have more responsibility to them. Yeah. I, I do think a lot of people, as we like glamorize entrepreneurship, um, we forget that the bigger the company gets, actually the harder it is for the leader. Yeah. And the leader at the end of the day is just a, a human being who may have exceptional skills in one area, but they also do have weaknesses. So it really is figuring out just because you hire someone to say, oh, this is your job description, doesn't mean you're going to get out of them day one or even day 100 exactly what is written in that job description in the way that you envision. So it really is a process of aligning, communicating and aligning your vision with what you want them to do and getting them to do it in a way that they're really self-motivated to give it their all. You start with one of those people and then it becomes, oh, now I have 30 of those people who I need to balance, and they all have different motivations. So, What was the coolest day so far um, for you at Betches? What happened? What was a big milestone where you're like, wow, I can't believe that just happened? I mean, getting 30 under 30 was huge, um, but that's like a big flashy day. I mean, I would even say like literally yesterday, we are saying we had such a great day. We had this problem that we needed to solve with kind of like moving people's jobs around. As you know, we are growing, so we – are constantly sort of shuffling people around within you know who runs what accounts and that sort of thing and we we had been having an issue with a few different areas that were all sort of tangential but not completely connected there was no real easy fix for these issues um but at one point we just kind of figured out exactly what to do and it felt like two months worth of struggles were just gone in a second. And I, I think like for me, it was just a, a great day as feeling like, okay, I really managed this problem and I empowered other people to manage it as well. Um, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so I want to quickly just think as you guys have bootstrapped all the way up and there's been such great merits of that. And to your point, you could grow at a certain rate. Have you guys ever thought about a media company that you admire? Who do you think you want to be as you grow up? I mean, there's a lot of media companies that I really admire, um, but I don't know if I would necessarily want to be them. So, I mean, I love BuzzFeed. I love The Cut. And I love all the New York Magazine properties. Personally, I love The New Yorker. 
But I mean, I wouldn't say that we necessarily want to be any of them. Maybe we would use parts of their model. Um, but those are, I would say, companies that I admire just because I think that they're so focused on the audience. They are they so understand who they're creating for. And yeah, I think that that is something that I really admire. So let's just quickly switch gears um, to everybody out there who's listening, who's also a young entrepreneur. You're young. You, as we said, were you know 20 when you started this company. I mean, in so many ways, um, it's a complete dream. But in so many ways, it also means you've probably had to grow and evolve in ways that you didn't ever expect. I used to always joke that um, you know I didn't run the company; the company ran me because you have to show up and be able to put on a smiley face. You have to be able to grow when the company needs you to grow and get better. How have you evolved as a young entrepreneur in ways that are relatable to everybody that's listening? Personally, we got into this because we were writing a blog. And if you ask me like my number one skill, I would say I love to write. We've written three books. And that is kind of like where I feel comfortable and thriving. But one of the challenges was really getting outside of myself as a manager. And now at this point, I'm managing five people. And I think that that process of kind of figuring out how to get outside of myself to recognize how to communicate with people what I needed them to do um, in a way that they could actually not only enact themselves, but then carry down to people who they were managing, um, I think has been really, really helpful. I think that I... I sort of moved my communication skills over from writing to verbal and just kind of being able to literally manage people and really more than manage them, empower them to improve on their own. What do you think was the number one thing that you had to get better at? Patience. Just kind of the patience and realizing that it doesn't, if someone isn't performing well, it doesn't really help to just kind of continuously criticize them and that positive feedback is really just as important as negative feedback because if you if you only hear from your boss when they are annoyed at you you're never going to really improve because you don't even know what good looks like you just assume that there's nothing and then there's bad I, I found that the more that I tell people what they are doing right the more they tend to do things right yeah, it's really productive, right? It's, yeah. It's a really amazing thing. Um, people respond really well to positive reinforcement. Yeah. Um, so uh, as you, uh, when it's a Sunday night and you're excited about the week ahead, what's happening at Betches? What's one thing that's going on that you really look forward to? To be honest, Sunday night, Saturday night, none of it really matters because we're all kind of constantly in contact through social media because we really are a very reactive company. And that I think that that has been part of being bootstrapped and being able to remain nimble is that we are constantly on our feet. There's no real divide, I think, for a lot of us between work and not work. Because what what keeps us so relatable is that we really are bringing our lives and the lives of the people who are in our audience to the work. So, I mean... Give us an example yeah. of that. Like, we have a group on Instagram called See It, Send It. And we're just constantly sending each other things, talking about them, saying, like, oh, should we put this up? What do we all think about this? What what do we feel? And then it becomes content for the company. Essentially, what you're saying is you guys work 24-7. Yeah. Can you give us an example of a time where in that See It, Send It group, you know, something's going around, and you had to be really thoughtful about what message Betches wants to send. Again, you get to inf have influence over 7 million women. That's a pretty powerful thing. 
how do you think about what to publish and what not and how, when to publish serious things and when not, knowing that the tone often of batches is fun and, and, and lively? So I can give you an example from a part of the company that I'm personally super passionate about that I mentioned earlier, which is the Betches Sup, which covers news and politics. So this is obviously a huge time for us. We have the 2020 election coming up. We are, and there's now this impeachment. So really like, constantly there's a back and forth about okay how do we handle this impeachment news how are we managing the democratic debates that are upcoming um and something that we're really in the midst of planning right now is our 2020 election strategy we have a goal to register a hundred thousand voters through betches up and through betches um and to i love really- it wow thank way you. to go thank you it's amazing so that is our that is our goal so if you're listening uh look out for that <laughs> for our voter registration and really trying to figure out how we're going to approach 2020. Um, We have a mission to make it fun, accessible, empowering, easy to be engaged politically, to know what's going on, to know who your representative is. If you are upset about the way something is or you think that there should be a policy change in America, all you have to do is call your senator or call your representative and to really show people how easy it is to be engaged and to make it interesting fun we like to have a bit of like a celebrity bend so we may have something exciting coming up in that arena that i'm not able to share but yeah so that is really a big focus of mine right now i love it and again as a friend of batches i'm thrilled to hear it I mean, I think that is exactly what a platform like yours should be doing, which is how do we go get more people to come and vote, which is phenomenal. So Thank that's you. that's wonderful. So really quickly, we're going to quickly end on a few questions. What was your biggest pinch me moment so far? So I know you said Forbes 30 under 30, but I want to hear a pinch me moment when you guys early days were like, wow, that just happened. New York Times bestseller list, first book. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, that's like a, that was a personal goal. It's a personal. And, it was a personal goal for me. I totally get it. It's yeah. amazing once it happens. That's yeah. awesome. When you are interviewing somebody, what's your favorite interview question to ask a potential employee? Oh, an employee. I thought, okay. Um, or any, yeah. no, listen. If I'm I, interviewing anyone, I want to know who they want to have dinner with, alive or dead. Who do you want to have dinner with, alive or dead? Ooh, it's a tie between Meryl Streep and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, that's amazing. Those, yeah, I could, I, I'm with you. I'm like I'm, the, I'm like the I'm older generation you. fan club. I also just both of them. I yeah, totally. I'm with you. Okay, last question. Other than Betches, what's one startup that you have heard about, know about, but you're excited about that everybody should hear? I really love Blueland. They have created basically they're trying to reduce single use plastic and come up with non-toxic cleaning products so basically they send you like these little tablets that you put in water and you have cleaning products for your house so it has a sustainable mission it has a clean organic mission that's healthier for your home and i really just i love a company that has just a simple great branding wonderful everybody check out their stuff blue land check it out yeah well, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us today. Guys, if you haven't already heard about Betches, go check it out. You can go to www.betches.com or follow them on Instagram. And please join us next week for Ink the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. And thank you so much, Sammy. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You can subscribe to Ink the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel wherever your podcasts are offered. 